Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society Podcast. I'm your host, Chet Czar, and today is... What is the damn date? Today is uh, March 22nd, 2023, and I am interviewing Chad Savage. Well, I did interview him already. It was a great interview. Super nice guy, very talented, really interesting story, and uh, I love I love what he's doing. It's really cool. Um, so I think you're going to dig it. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, I'm just getting, you know, the same old thing. Nothing very exciting. Uh, just, you know, trying to drum up business and, uh, take care of business I already have happening, getting orders out, stuff like that. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you might notice the camera looks a little different. I'm trying different setups. I got a little a different um kind of arm for my camera so still messing around with that to get a good look playing with lighting and camera settings i don't know really anything about cameras so i'm just kind of winging it surely there has to be something more going on than that um oh the dog's doing great valentine the pit bull is amazing super very uh trainable she's so affectionate and sweet she's such an amazing dog so i'm really happy about that she wants to please us so she she's uh very uh, reacts well to positive reinforcement and she's learned all kinds of stuff learned, learned a lot of tricks and she's getting good on her walk so all that's going well uh it seems like there should be something more <laughs> there's not really much i guess that the the geeger um divine feminine painting really kind of took a lot of energy and focus so i guess i'm coming down from that and um i guess i had to paint some uh i had to paint some of these guys if you're watching on youtube you can see these heartbroken minis only a few left in the edition um so i got painted those got those out so anyway, not that much. It's been raining here in LA, which is great. I love it. Really cool when we needed it. So I guess that's it. Um, yeah. Okay. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash dark art society and join for as little as a dollar. And, uh, you know, uh, I could really use the support with this podcast cause it's all free for anyone who wants to listen. Any, any um, subscriptions are very helpful. Um, if, you, if you join up, you can get your name read on the air. And uh, if you join at the $5 and above level, you get a free, or not a free, you get a coupon code for our sponsor. Where's the skull? Uh, skull Shop. S-K-U-L-L-S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. I can't find... Oh, there's one. I've got a couple of their skulls. Oh. Sorry. There's one. The jaw fell off, though. Anyway, these skulls are awesome. I highly recommend them. I've been uh, recommending these skulls since I first met Kyle from Skull Shop and uh, at a convention, I think. 
And I'm just a huge fan of these skulls. They're so realistic and so great. Anyway, you get a um, 20% off coupon if you join at the $5 and above level at patreon.com slash darkheartsociety. Uh, you can also support my work at patreon.com slash chetzar. I offer a lot of different things on there, and um, I really think you'll enjoy it if you join. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Seems like I'm missing something, but then again, I always feel that way. Um, actually, okay. Page, if you join, um, on, uh, Patreon, <laughs> the Dark Art Society Patreon, you get your name read in the air. And this week we have Travis White. And I forgot to mention last week, um, Ryan Case raised, raised his pledge. That was really cool. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan's very supportive of the podcast and other artists he's always giving back and so i really appreciate that uh i guess that's it i swear i'm forgetting something but i'll have to remember it for next week anyway let's get on with it my interview with the awesome chad savage here we go hope you enjoy it Hello, Chad. Hello, Chet. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, I really appreciate it. You have been, uh, I don't know, we, uh, we've we talked online before in the past, because I mean, I know, yeah, I, mean, I, I know you from like when I first got online. I remember you from early 2000s. Same. Yeah, yeah. Same. We've been in the same orbits uh, for God knows how long. Right. Um. The early 2000s, I was pushing uh, dark art with, uh, like, pushing. <laughs> hey, kid, you want to buy some dark art? <laughs> uh, I was trying to do uh, unsuccessfully what you did successfully with uh, the Dark Art Society through, uh, I don't know if you remember, spookyart.com? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get uh, dark artists together in one place uh, to kind of promote each other and mm -hmm. have, and this was in the, you know, before the social media and everything else when everything was uh, message boards and right. websites. Um, and that was fun until it got too big to handle. Yeah. And, right. then, and, and social media came along and it just kind of changed the whole landscape. But yeah, I mean, we've both been hammering away at this for a while. I know. I know. Right. You, you're one of the, you know, one of the, the, not one of the oldest people, one of the people that's been doing doing it the longest <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> like, I feel like we run in uh, similar circles, but also not so similar because I am so heavily involved in the haunted attraction and Halloween industry specifically. Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. Really, uh, my illustration and artwork has always been in service of the graphic design company, Sense mm -hmm. Division. So that's uh, whereas... Uh, you and many other artists I admire are able to just do the artwork, which that would be amazing for me, but I just never quite was able to find that yeah, it's, thing. It's so hard. <laughs> it's yeah. so hard. It's really good. I mean, I've got friends like Alan Clark uh, who have been doing this since forever. And yeah, it's, it's the, it's so fickle. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a difficult road for sure. I feel really lucky <clears throat> that I was able to navigate it, um, but it's still difficult after all this time. You know, yeah, it's still it's still just fine art is insane. It's an insane way to make a living. That's for sure. Um, so let's. I mean, I don't think we've ever talked in depth. So let's hear everything about you. Let's <laughs> hear your whole. You're just, you know, give, give people, yeah. give people an idea of who you are. And, and I'm really curious to hear your background and how you got into this stuff when you were a kid and all that. Alrighty. Um, I, I won't ask well, you, I won't ask you where you get your ideas from though. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that on an interview where you're like, or, or it's on your website somewhere. It's like, I don't know where I get it from. Don't ask. <laughs> I was like, uh, I saw Stephen King talk about that. Uh, and he said it was the, the question he, he hated the most and then he said to the interviewer, it just kind of erupted. He said, I don't know where I get it. <laughs> if I did, do you think I'd tell you? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> that's pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah, perfect Got answer. It. All right. So uh, I grew up uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. um, Southern Baptist family. Um, religious without being uh, zealous. I actually had a pretty idyllic childhood. Mm -hmm. Um which abruptly kind of ended with uh, the death of both parents within three years of each other. Oh uh, as I got out of high school and went into college. Wow. And that's when um, the, all of the religious aspects of my life also kind of fell apart because when there wasn't somebody standing behind me saying, this is how it is. And I just looked at it critically. Yeah. Shit doesn't hold up at all. Right. Uh, <laughs> I also always loved Halloween more than anything, uh, despite like how I was raised, everything else. It was just always in the blood. Yeah. So um, it feels yeah, genetic, but, right? Yes. Yeah, Something that feel genetic or, or it's it was always there. And there was uh, whereas as a family, we celebrated the, my, um, my dad loved to decorate for every holiday. But Halloween uh, very quickly became my thing. I would decorate the house. I was, but it was only in October. Could only do it in October. Once November came around, and up until October first, not so much. Mm -hmm. um, well, so they passed. I went on to college, jumped whole hog into uh, Gothic industrial music, and just never looked back. Um, got real inspired early on by uh, Clive Barker mm -hmm. and HR. Uh, huge influences early on. Got a degree, got uh, worked at a lot of coffee shops. Well, I got a degree in 91 in illustration and design, which meant I worked at coffee shops for the next four or five years until I finally got lucky enough to force gump my way into a graphic design job. <laughs> uh, did that for a few years, just corporate stuff. Right. Uh, moved to Chicago in 98. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, had, uh, got married for the third time, um, had my second child. Uh, and right after that, um, my wife was diagnosed with a range of bad things. I so I found myself in a position where, uh, this was right around 2001. Uh, I needed to be home, uh, had an infant child and my wife was incapacitated. So I had a computer, uh, I had the Adobe suite of products and a love of Halloween. So I started poking around and uh, it just so happened 
that the haunted attraction industry was just on the, the cusp of becoming the haunted attraction industry. There wasn't really anything cohesive there yet. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it was just very much a, a question of right place, right time. Yeah, sounds like it. And, and you could so, see that it was about to break or... It it was it wasn't that so much. Uh, I mean, looking at it in retrospect, it's much clearer at the time. I was just trying to find a way to be employed, right? Uh, do something that I like to do versus like I I came out of a job where I was doing trial graphics for a company. I, I worked on uh, when Netflix sued Microsoft over uh, the browser, the, the browser wars of the late nineties, early two thousands. I got to work on like trial graphics for that. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so that was the job. I, um, <coughs> oh, excuse me. But yeah, I reached out to, uh, a couple of magazines and a couple of other, uh, uh, yeah, it was actually just, that was kind of it. And there was like one trade show, um, and just started doing a lot of barter. Um, hmm. I'll do, work for you if you give me ad space in your magazine hmm. and that's really kind of what launched um the company sinister visions and now i do um logos branding uh poster design tick like it, basically anything printable t-shirts have blown up huge for me recently hmm. wow uh, which is a lot of fun yeah uh, and that's kind of where we are now 23 years hence um, it's one of maybe, I'll say four companies that specialize specifically in this industry. Hmm. Um, and I've worked with some of the biggest names in it. I've worked with some of the smallest names in it. Um, one of the company Transworld trade shows that does, um, two of the biggest shows, uh, soon to be three. They just sent a third one, which yay, more work for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they, I do like all of their branding, their websites. Uh, when the shows happen, there's like 500 signs that have to be produced, paperwork, do all of it. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I spend my days all year. Which that's a, yeah, that's hell a, yeah, that's, I know, right? That's that's amazing. And this is like, um, it's not as seasonal as as it might seem. Like this is something it, that keeps you busy all year. Yes, thankfully. Um, it wasn't always that way. Uh, I used to be in, uh, say, mid-November through January, I would have to try and generate stuff. But uh, I have a big enough client base now, and uh, by virtue of Transworld specifically, I have enough to keep me busy all year. Now, I wouldn't wish my life on anybody from <laughs> August to October yeah, right. because that's when every owner, every attraction owner realizes, oh shit, we have to update all of our things. Right. Uh, smart one. Well, I won't say the smart ones. Uh, the savvy <laughs> ones are the ones that contact me in January, February and, you know, hey, let's get going on this. Right. Uh, yeah, they, they, they really like to. And I get it. Sometimes, you know, zoning things and th there's so many variables. Mm -hmm. uh, Having seen from this side uh, what the people in charge of attractions and trade shows have to deal with, oh, I know. very much happy being the guy behind the guy. Right, right. I yeah. want to be. <laughs> yeah, that's been my experience with um, uh, co-curating or curating art shows, like seeing what galleries have to deal with. It's like you can oh, yeah. do, you can do that. It's such a nightmare. It's really difficult. Everybody and everybody. 
everybody thinks they can do it. Everybody's so full of opinions about how it should be I done. Know. <laughs> no clue. Why are they charging so much for the drinks at the party? Because you have to go through the hotel and the hotel sets the price. Right, right. Nobody yeah, knows right. that. Yeah. They just think the trade shows, try, you know, oh, well, they're just taking all that. No, they don't get any of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so often, uh, once you get a peek behind the curtain at the other side, you, yeah. re you realize they're dealing with the same stuff that, you know, oh, everybody yeah. deals once with. You know how, once you know how the sausage is made. Yeah. <laughs> it's ugly. <laughs> you can go make it. Do what I do. Yeah. Right. So when they, um, trans world hires you, are they kind of, do they kind of like give you a concept or, 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 or do you have like enough of a, re I mean, I'm sure you're, you're well-known, you're established, you're the guy, you know, one of the main, like you said, one of the f four players in this space. Are you, um, do they come to you for ideas or, or is it kind of like a back and forth? Oh, it's very close. Um, I've been working with them. Oh, it's funny because, uh, I, I worked with I'm trying to, uh, order this in my head so I can present it in a way that anybody but me would understand. Okay, so uh, <laughs> early to mid 2000s, uh, I worked for Trans Old Exhibits, which did the Halloween costume and party show in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, that just kind of abruptly came to an end. They hired somebody else. I got an email letting me know uh, that they had gone a different way. Okay, great, happens all the time. I, I know better than to take it personally. Then a few years later, um, the daughter of the owner of Trans Old Exhibits bought the uh, emerging haunted attraction side of that company and became uh, Trans World Trade Shows. Her name is Jen Thaler. Uh, Jen came to another show specifically to meet me and a very good friend and client of mine, John LaFlamboy who runs uh, Zombie Army Productions in Chicago and uh, specifically now Hell's Gate Haunted House, which if you're ever near Chicago in October, go to Hell's Gate. Oh, really? Unbelievable. Wow. Uh, anyway, uh, John had just founded Zombie Army uh, and was making big waves. Um, she knew about me from previous work I'd done and then work I was doing, and she came to the show specifically to get us working with her um and that was god <sighs> it feels like it's got to be like 15 years ago it's, i don't know it's hard to keep track <laughs> it's been a while, it's been a while. <laughs> um but yeah we've been doing this so long that um you know it's it's a it's almost like a family affair now. oh how cool um and uh, I am basically the graphic design department of Transworld in terms of the function that I serve there. So um, we've got uh, the branding systems all down. We've got, uh, you know, we basically just each year, you just, you, you know what you got to do. Um, the only time I really get to get creative is coming up with party themes, um, which is fun. Mm -hmm. There's always a big party at the one the show in St. Louis. It's themed and it just sort of evolved this way. Uh, now the t-shirt design is based on the theme. So that's become a whole thing. That's a, very fun. Um, I forgot what my next point was going to be. Uh, so let's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, 
<laughs> Sounds like a great gig. It's always nice working with clients that you know, and it's not like oh, yeah. you don't have to yeah. feel all weird and not, you know, act as act, not, not know how to act around them or I don't know. Uh, it's so much easier when you know them and it's, it's all. Yeah. When you know, know what, well, and yeah, once you understand their aesthetic and right. the kind of things that they like, uh, I kind of have the same relationship with John at zombie army. He'll, give me a rough idea for a t-shirt or a flyer or whatever. And I'll just put something there in. Uh, he'll give me like a little chicken scratch on a napkin just to kind of give me a very broad idea. And then uh, I'll just go to town. I got to say, I, um, I was pencil and paper uh, as far as any artwork up until three years ago. Uh, oh, wow. I got, uh, I got a used iPad and a used Apple pencil just to try procreate because I kept seeing amazing things mm -hmm. with it. And every other digital drawing thing I had tried just didn't feel you weren't right. in a Photoshop. And a no, I use Photoshop on the daily, but in terms of actually uh, drawing and painting specifically, you don't do, you never did any drawing and or you didn't like drawing and painting in Photoshop. Um, I couldn't find a way to do it that felt organic. Hmm. Uh, Wacom tablet and stuff like that. And I, I can't draw down here and look up here. Oh, okay. You know, it doesn't, I, it, my brain's not wired that way. Mm -hmm. Procreate was easily the most intuitive drawing experience, uh, short of actual pencil and paper that I've yeah. ever, I can believe it right yeah, out of the gate. It's great. Yeah. But now I miss actual physical media because I finished something to procreate and I can export it and whatever else, but I don't have that, you know, that yeah. thing I made. <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, it's funny. I, I think, you know, I, I was part of a, a Halloween mask company called Alterian Ghost Factory in the mid nineties, maybe mm -hmm. it lasted, I think for about three years. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we did the trans world show. I didn't yeah. go myself, but that's like the big, like, Costume yeah, it Halloween. At first, it was the Halloween costume and party show, right. and the idea was it was a business to business trade show, not right. a convention. Right, People right, right. Don't understand the difference. Um, and you would get like reps from Walmart and yep. Spirit Halloween and Target, and it was just for big wig corporate muckmucks to come in and see your product line for them. Rip it season. off. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what happened to us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh wow, it's been going on that. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. The the scream mask, the scream mask was ripped off of one of our um, masks. Well, it was like a, a guy I was working with Lauren Githens. It just came out finally on Fangoria dot com. An article, uh, mm -hmm. the origin of the scream. I always mask. wondered about that because when the movie came out, I remember like you can just buy that costume. Well, that costume, which was, I thought was the point, but right, that costume was the ripoff of our mask. Yeah, because we did like vacuum form. A, a guy I worked with named Lauren Githens, who's an effects guy. Uh, Tony Gardner started this, and we ran it basically, sculpted the masks and stuff. And he did a, a vacuum form. His idea was a ghost kit. Like you, you give them a vacuform mask of some ghost faces, mm -hmm. just and vacuform, and you cut it out. You you get a sheet and glue it on. We had paints with it, so you could paint it. It was like a novelty ghost maker kit. It was called yeah. Ghost Maker. And then we went to Trans World, and then the next year, 
those the 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 scream mask with the black hood they they ripped off the design and put a black hood on it and just sold it as a mask and then it got used in the in the scream movie and then it was like (laughs) the rest is history anyway i'm sorry to interrupt i just was like oh no not at all (laughs) that was my experience Uh, (laughs) it still goes on it's still i mean it's still a problem yeah i heard i heard i i mean that was the halloween industry is kind of notorious for ripping itself off or certain companies big companies ripping off smaller companies that that happens the the bigger issue is uh overseas companies yeah. i won't get specific uh but if you pay any attention to this stuff you can probably guess right huge problem there are uh companies on the other side of the pond that just could give a shit less about uh copyright yeah. uh, and property whatever else uh, I happens to me all the time with t-shirt art. I bet. I was going to say, I bet it happens to you a lot. Like there are designs that I've just had to let go because the whack-a-mole of trying to send the NCA notices, like I, I don't have time to do that all day. Yep. Or the money. We'll hire lawyers. Like with what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I make a nice living with what I do, but I don't have sue people money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other. Uh, oh, so, uh, before I lose the thread. So it was the Halloween uh, costume and party show wholesale only uh, in the early two thousands. Uh, I start. I went the first time in 98 and it was like, Oh my God, I'm in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but it started evolving as the haunted attraction industry started, like I said, started to become an industry. And I think the, it, that kind of came out of the internet as a natural progression as people started talking to each other. Mm-hmm. They start because you used to have to, I mean, you still have to have credentials to get into the show. You have to just kind of prove that you have a, an attraction of some sort or, you know, that you're qualified buyer. But then it was really strict. You either had to prove you had a business that was going to buy stuff mm-hmm. uh, or somebody that had those credentials had to vouch for you. Uh, I had the latter at the time. Um so I started going, and uh, in the early 2000s, uh, you started to get more products aimed at haunted houses rather than Halloween stores. So you mm. started getting more haunted attraction owners coming in, not wanting to buy 500 to something, but wanting to buy two. You know, they need two masks. They don't need 500. Right, right. And it was a big bone of contention for years. Um because the rate the, the big buyers didn't like these you know ricky d according to them uh owners coming in and trying to make the show cash and carry which it very much was not you could not buy stuff at the booth you had to put in an order yeah <laughs> um so it went back it got kind of ugly for a minute uh there was one year where they almost banned uh attraction owners wow. um then they split part of the show off. So it was uh, the Halloween costume and party show featured and it featured the haunted attraction. I'm going to forget the name changed so many times. Uh, this is all while it was still in Chicago. Um, then uh, other shows started popping up to kind of fill that void. Uh, well, they don't want us, you know, here, we'll, we'll take you. So that's why there are so many of them now, I think, uh, one of the reasons. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Jen Thaler, who is very savvy, um, bought that part of the company from her dad, um, moved it to St. Louis, um, and it's been 
huge and growing bigger every year now for over 10 years in St. Louis. Crazy. Now, I wish they'd move back to Chicago, but it's now I think it's too expensive. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I could have never imagined something like the, the popularity of, of, uh, haunted theme right? attractions. When I was a kid, I mean, that would have been a dream to have all these choices. Right? Cause there was one where I lived there aside from, you know, the one in the neighborhood, you know, unless you were the person doing it in the neighborhood or, you know, there mm -hmm. was like a, uh, some cheesy haunted house, which are fun in the neighborhood, but there was one, um, I would go to every year and it was, it was done by a religious group. It was like a church. And was it, it a house? It, I don't, it wasn't like the, the, the rooms weren't themed to, to be like, you know, um, uh, uh trying to get uh, new church members or anything, but it was called campus life. Campus, oh, campus life. life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, uh, God, what was the deal with that? Was this in Florida? No, this is in California. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> I had a, this is years ago. I had a client, uh, who tried to, <laughs> tried to capitalize on the name, uh, cause it had not been a thing for many years. Mm -hmm. So he had me build a whole other campus, uh, like they were bringing it back as if they had any affiliation with the original, which I don't think they did. Um, and I remember kind of questioning it, you know, like, look, I'll do whatever you want me to do, because ultimately uh, you're just hiring the, the abilities, not right. the opinions. But this feels like a bad idea. <laughs> I said, oh, no, no, it's fine. Shut me down right away. Okay, great. Yeah. And within the year, they got a cease and desist <laughs> because, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, so I've heard of it. So. Yeah. It was like this, this must have been, this must have been like the late 70s or early yeah. 80s. And it was, it was in Torrance. I was in, I was from San Pedro. Torrance is like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes outside of town. And, um, it was a really good, haunted house for, for mm -hmm. the time especially it was like it was the only game in town and it was but it was really cool except at the end they um they they at the end they you had to walk go to a room where they what did they, they tried to get you to uh they basically gave a little sermon and tried to get you convert you to, to their church right and um it was kind of like you do. Yeah. <laughs> got a little, get a little orange Bible. They gave you, and I remember reading it going like, this doesn't really click with me. <laughs> you know, yeah. even as a little kid, I was like, this isn't resonating. Uh, but other than that, so you're saying your icon is a guy nailed to a tree. <laughs> Good thing. <laughs> All right. It was like, you know, even at that age, I was kind of into, I've always been sort of interested in, metaphysics i guess you could say and, mm -hmm. and spirituality and things like that and meditation and stuff like in a from an oddly young age and um so i was interested in that stuff but that i remember it just i remember it like i kind of was trying because i my brother at one point became a born-again christian for a short period of time he tried to get <laughs> he tried to get me into his he had, there was like a seventies rock and roll church. It was pretty funny. Right. And, um, I remember he took me to one of those to try and get me saved. And, uh, I just remember that, you know, both of those experiences, like kind of like, okay, I'm going to check this out and read stuff. I'm like maybe 11 or 12 or something. 
and it's just like it just didn't it just did i didn't get any feeling from it you know yeah. what i mean and it's like other things like i don't know eastern stuff that i've read uh, carlos castaneda and interest i was that stuff like was like was interesting to me mm-hmm. um anyway that's a to- total tangent <laughs> well, I, but but, to, but my to... but my my haunted house memory is 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 uh always connected with that kind of like weird religious thing i i have a fun uh haunted house slash church story okay. uh, so uh weird bit of of chad history um when i was a senior in high school i was the president of the youth council of emmanuel Baptist church which is the biggest church in arkansas hmm. in barack uh it was the church the clintons went to wow bill and hill they were sunday school uh, cause yeah, even the adults, uh, had Sunday school and they were, uh, contemporaries of my folks. Wow. So they were friends. Uh, I, <laughs> I would be on the phone with a friend, whatever, uh, in the, you know, 1980, whatever. And Bill Clinton would call to talk to my dad. Wow. <laughs> uh, and I would go, oh, yes, sir. Mr. Clinton, hang on. And I'd flip around. I got to go, Bill Clinton's on the phone. Yeah. Chad, whatever. You need to get off phone. Just say so you get off phone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> they're always real nice people. Um, but anyway, so my senior year, somehow we can we had a, a rec center because biggest church in Arkansas. Uh, we convinced uh, the powers that be to let us do a haunted house, um, <laughs> and I was in charge of it. So I I did what I could do to make all these rooms really scary. In one of the rooms, we had a mad scientist. And somebody was on the table and I, I read up like whatever books I could find at the time of like how to set up uh, scary scenes. Mm-hmm. What I remember specifically was the <laughs> we had a dude on a table and he had his leg. It was two tables and his leg was down uh, in between mm-hmm. and a piece of wood where his uh, shin lower part of his leg should be. And it was just covered with meat. And <laughs> nice because <laughs> you know, teenagers, we didn't think it through. So we just went to the butcher and got some cheap meat. Oh, God. I, can on, see, I can see where oh, this is going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and had mad scientists, you know, in there chopping and people come in and yelling, whatever. Well, what we didn't anticipate was a little gobbets of meat falling into the carpet, mm-hmm. getting trodden in and what that would smell like subsequent. <laughs> so we only got to do it one time. <laughs> I'm sure that added to the realism of the scene. That's, oh yeah, even by the end of the the thing, they're like, "Oh god!" But that, hey, they did. They'll feel bad because they did that on. Um, they have you ever heard that story of Day of the Dead with, with that effect? You know? Oh god, yeah. Where yeah. where they uh, bought the dead. yep they bought the guts and then when they ripped the guy apart it in half at the end, everyone's gagging because it was rotten intestines. Right. <laughs> thing with uh, Texas Chainsaw, the big dinner scene and whatnot. There oh was really? So much- on this, oh yeah, they all of the cast members talk about how that set smelled, and they laugh about it. But it's like a PTSD laugh, <laughs> like laughing something that was like, "Oh Jesus, don't make me live this." <laughs> really funny. Ed Neal in particular, uh, I've seen him talk about it, and the way he describes it is very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I didn't. I never heard that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just. I think it's so cool that you you have. You know, what we do is so, such a, 
a strange little niche and for you to have carved your own path in it, you know, I feel a kinship to you in that way. Like we both yeah. have, have like, we kind of just, I don't know that it's that we carved a path. I think it's like, we sort of followed uh, our passions into the directions that were kind of open to us. We and love mom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. we love monsters. That's <laughs> that. I, I feel like that's what it boils down to. We love monsters right. and we find a way to make a living loving monsters totally. and celebrate and, you know, interpret the term monster however you want. But right. I feel like that kind of boils down to. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's like, you know, I, I, as a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a technically a fine artist, but it's like, you know, maybe, I don't know what the ratio is half or more of how I make my living is like basically what you do, which is merchandise off your website, mm. t-shirts and, you know, I'm doing resin cast. So it's like, it's, it's almost like I'm a, a dark art retailer in a way that's more, it's a little more, uh, you know, you're I an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's a I'm good so one. You, get, you have to, we have to remember that. Like this little guy, you know, I do, I do, I, I, I do these, but it's like, I number them and yeah, they're like limited editions. So on one hand, this is like something you might find it's, it, it could be considered a novelty, but it's presented in a, in a, you know, fine art way. You know, I spent a lot it's of a time. Nice, it's like, um, I got a big thought I'm trying to articulate here. <laughs> I I remember when uh, Juxtapose Magazine became more about toys mm -hmm. than it did about art for a while. Right. Um, I feel like what you're talking about there, um, artists in the last couple of decades found a way to make what they do more accessible to exactly. everybody exactly yeah and you call them toys figurines whatever that's art yeah well, you just it's a piece of art that yeah you may not exist if your brain didn't exist right but also like i said it's also an accessible thing uh to collect yep and that's awesome yeah. I, I love that's a thing yeah yeah and this you know this the same goes for like t-shirts and stuff and a yeah. anything you know uh, your your artistic brand is putting out there it's like I just love it. It's like I used to have a dream when I was a kid. I would have this recurring dream that that I owned a store uh, that had like, you know, it's not that crazy now. Like Wacko, there's a store called Wacko in L.A. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's it's yeah. it, it's my favorite. I haven't been. Yeah, it's amazing. Like they'd have just cool art books, but they have like bins with rubber guts and little hands and feet and just weird, weird stuff and toys. I remember those um, having dream dreams as a kid like that. I had a store where there was, you know, little bins full of rubber monsters and stuff. And that was you know, I had, such a... I had bins of rubber monsters as a kid. Right. I, every time I went to the groceries or uh, the uh, drugstore or whatever, I would get talk my parents into buying one. I had boxes of them. Oh, yeah. 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 You remember the uh, the rubber? I forget. They call them something now. They were like jiggly rubber guys that there was one guy that was like hanging like yep. a prisoner guy and uh yep. oh i love those those were so yep. cool <laughs> was that a strip yeah <laughs> <laughs>
Absolutely. Oh, I mean, we kind of grow up, grew up in the, I think, I don't know if you're around my age, I'm 55. I'm 54. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was, yeah. Probably very similar experiences. Yeah. So we, I think we grew up in the, the tail end of the peak monster kid era. Oh, for sure. 100%. You know? So we yep. still got a lot of cool stuff that we were from, like the next generation. Right. Right. I mean, there was a I lot think. of cool stuff in the, in the seventies, early seventies. Let me ask you this. Uh, what you were talking about reminded me of when I was in college um, and I was first uh, starting to get wind of Giger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and uh, Joel Peter Witkin trying yeah. to find, knowing that their books existed, that they had art books, trying to find one. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have that experience where you knew these artists were out there and had these books? But because it's all pre-internet, pre-anything, and I mean, I, at the time, I'm living in Little Rock, Arkansas, where right. you couldn't find anything cool no matter what. Well, that yeah, that was the benefit of living in outside of L.A. is that. Okay. Yeah. So you, you know, had access. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We could go to Hollywood. There was a store called, um, oh, I forgot what it's called. They had gas masks, I remember. It was like the first time I saw a ga- like a gas mask you could buy, just because it was weird, you know. It was right. like a, it was like an arty weird store like that, and they had uh, Giger books, and I'm sure because we had a Joel Peter, me and my or a friend of mine I think bought the Joel Peter Whitkin book, and uh, I'm sure that was from somewhere in Hollywood, one of these shops. So you know that was, yeah, we were lucky. <laughs> I I remember specifically uh, I was on a trip uh, vacation to new orleans with my college roommate and we were at some curios little weird little shop and they had a copy of uh shit his first book oh, which i should I, I to, or... no no uh, i'm sorry wicked oh 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 i don't know the name not, not in harm's way maybe was it in harm's way i mean i could go pull it off the shelf but anyway uh he he found it before i did mm-hmm. so he wanted to kill him because <laughs> i i didn't have any way to get a copy there was you know in 1990 or 80 late 80 90 whatever it was you know somebody finds a book like a, a rare book and cool and you can look and see the publisher and whatever else but there's nowhere to go you can't punch it up online or anything else it's just i know Oh well, you get to know that it exists, but you can't have one. <laughs> I know people I did don't find it. Years later, I did find a copy uh, and several other, and now I have like a whole shelf of uh, Whitkin and Eager and, and everything else. But yeah, man, I remember the thrill of the hunt. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was that, that was you know once you get we got to the age. Um, this is what eighty three or eighty four. 85 i don't know somewhere around there where we got our start getting driver our driver's licenses and then we could drive up to hollywood where all the cool stuff was and uh that's where we got all our cool books and stuff uh, i had a friend to my bro a friend of my brother's he's i think this guy sh- showed me giger for the first time he he was going to um not art center uh uh cal arts mm-hmm. art college and um and he was into Giger and and I think he showed me Giger for the first time I think in Omni magazine remember Omni magazine oh yeah, yeah. I had a subscription for uh, a lot of natives <laughs> it was a cool magazine yeah it was and uh yeah all those there was like that whole there was a whole like sci uh, sci fi thing going on it was like there was horror and sci fi there was Starlog 
There's Omni. There's Fangoria, Famous Monsters. Did you, did you, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I also am remembering um, my early love affair with Giger was at direct odds with my upbringing, my Christian upbringing because of the subject matter. Yeah, right. Mind-blowing and transgressive and nightmarish and beautiful. And I just could not get enough. Yeah, right. I felt the same way. And ultimately, gear one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that ever like an, an issue for you? I mean, I, I I did read an interview online prepping for this episode that that it sounds like, um, as far as being raised Christian, your parents were were cool Christians. You know, it was yeah. Like, um, they they tried to practice it the way uh, it is. You're supposed to. Supposed to. <laughs> There are um, some. There are some out it there. It was about love, compassion, and understanding. And not judging people. And you weren't trying to cudgel people with your beliefs so much as... Uh, and again, the, the <laughs> no kid understands this, but as you get older, you realize the problem with that, with the Christian church, is it proceeds from the assumption that if you're not one of them, you're lost and have to be saved. That's right. what all the old saved things talking right. about. Or you're going to go that, to hell. That's where it becomes real problematic. Right. But within that framework, they practiced it in the most benevolent and loving way possible. And I have uh, memories of my dad, um, just by way of example, like just playing in the yard with other kids. And one of the other kids would trip and skin their knee or something. My dad just go over and hug him. Wow. You know, stop crying just stuff like that. yeah 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 that, that that's i mean uh you know probably more i just had a guy on i interviewed brandon grafius who's a biblical scholar and horror movie fan oh nice yeah and he's aw- he's awesome he's super cool and very you know critical of that type of christianity yeah uh his church is like a progressive christian church which is kind of cool but it's like you know i was I've said this a million times on the podcast, I think, but I was raised kind kind of Christian. Like my mom taught in an Episcopalian school. I don't know if she was Episcopalian. It was never like we were super religious, but it was right. like, you know, it was Christianish. It was the whole cultures was Christian Christian basically for you know, our neighborhood or where, where I grew up. But it was never. I I, I get my point is that. I never grew up with a really bad feeling about it because I wasn't raised in a, in a household where it was taught in that horrible way of being super right. judgmental. It was always like kindness and non-judgment were like the most empathy. compassion, yeah. empathy. Those were like the top things that tr- kind of trumped everything. Yeah. It's like, those were the main points. And it's like, you know, who would have a problem with that? I don't understand. We're lucky. I, I feel like we're both really yeah. lucky. Because I know a lot of people, especially in the dark art community, were um, I think many of them, I don't know how many, I know a lot of them turned kind of to dark art um, beca- because they were raised in an environment where it was like they were just, they were called satanic and demonic yeah. and they're, they're possessed by demons because they're into this stuff. I mean, one of my good friends, his, his mom said... She used to tell him you're possessed by the devil because he was into horror movies and making masks and monsters and stuff. It's crazy. I went, uh, my grandparents had their 50th anniversary. This is years and years ago. Um, 
50th anniversary, uh, I had not been, this is after I was off to college and out in the world, uh, after college, actually. Um, so I hadn't seen him in a little while. I flew back for the party. Um, <laughs> remember my grandmother taking me aside and asking me in all earnestness um, if I was a Satanist now. <laughs> I had been making this series of, I got into um, mask making, but with um, a friend of mine came up with this method of mixing celly clay with uh, fabric glue. Mm. which gave it this really creamy sculptable consistency huh. and you could sculpt onto a plain mask form. So I was doing that, making horns and teeth out of Sculpey and just making masks. And you can still see them on my website. It was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. But she had seen photos of these. And so that was her question. And I just said, Nana, no, I just like making scary looking things. And she said, okay. That's <laughs> <And> cool. <laughs> Bless her heart. She's yeah, just, yeah. She, but just the, the seriousness. Itself. Are you a Satanist now? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, I, 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 I was very lucky in that way as well. Like my, I never even got that question, you know, uh, no right. one ever questioned what I was doing and I was doing this stuff pretty early on, you know, drawing Frankenstein's yep. monster and zombies and, I have a, <laughs> you may have read this when I've told this story many times, but as a kid, uh, I showed my mom something I had drawn and I don't remember this. <laughs> she, she told this story yeah. when I was, uh, and she said, uh, just kind of as a knee jerk reaction. It's like, why can't you ever draw something happy? There's all sharks, dinosaurs, monsters, anything with big teeth. Yeah. Um, so Apparently, I, I went back to my room and came back a while, while later with a new drawing, and it was pretty much the same subject matter, but everybody was smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Good or less in the subjective nature of art. Right. <laughs> you, you, you did what she asked, you know, like a good son. That's hilarious. Yeah. And I just made her laugh. So. <laughs> Yeah, I had a I had a, a relative that uh, that used to always always say that to me. Kate, why don't you draw something nice? And it just even as like a seven year old, that pissed me off. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you I get felt that. so insulted by that. Yeah, even as a little kid. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and it just made me want to draw monsters even more. Um, why don't you draw something nice? Why don't you go show me how it's? Oh, you don't know how to draw? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, so, do you, uh, did you have, uh, okay, as a kid, did you, do you feel like you used horror and uh, dark art or, or drawing monsters as, as some way of dealing with fears or anything? anxieties or anything like that because this is a th Probably, it sounds um, like you did you were like more normal than most dark artists oh yeah. <laughs> but a lot of us before before you go real quick a lot a lot of us kind of like you know had like difficult childhoods and sort of used dark art as much as it felt like this really uh uh in, in my dna type thing it was a way of uh, kind of e externalizing my fears and anxieties and kind of gaining a, a sense of mastery over them. 
Like I was, I was in control of these things because I was drawing them. I think that's was the the psychological trip I was on as a little kid, just intuitively. But you seem like you had a pretty secure, normal yeah. childhood. I would say go so far as to say uh, sh incredibly sheltered. Wow. Um, so that makes I, you really interesting, even more interesting and different <laughs> in that way. Seriously. I got out in the world. Uh, so I graduated high school in uh, 86 and in 80, uh, in that, sorry, in that fall, I went to the Otis Art, Art Institute mm. of Parsons School of Design. It was literally the year after Parsons, I believe, the year after Parsons bought the Otis Art Institute. Okay. Um, and boy, was I not ready for that. <laughs> in what any way? Level, uh, in any level. <laughs> no matter what I said, I was such a cornfed white boy from Little Rock, Arkansas, who had very specific opinions and ideas about everything. And they were all wrong. Right. Um, I had never met a gay person. Oh, wow. Um, thankfully, because of the way I was brought up when I did, I didn't start screaming at them. Right. I just curious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's a great question. I'm just not sure how to answer. I don't, I don't think my artwork has, I mean, not consciously at least has ever been me processing things so much as just an attempt to make imagery that I find interesting. Right. Right. A lot of times it is, I mean, 75% of the artwork I do is for other people. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm lucky in that they want it to be spooky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking like, you know, the stuff you're talking about when you're a kid with, you know, monsters, sharp teeth, things like that, scary things. Yeah. Have you ever I, thought I, about I, why? It, but I've never known why. Yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 because I just did it naturally. Like it was cool to me. I liked it. Yeah, it gave me, exactly. a, it gave me a good feeling, um, to do it. And, but, I also had like a, a kind of traumatic childhood with di divorcing parents and and all kinds of stuff going on around me, and it, uh, it, it seemed like. Um, uh, th you know, this is sort of, I think, um, this theory was sort of drummed up in, in, in when I went to a, a therapist in the nineties and it was like it, that, the idea that I'm expressing anxiety, uh, through the artwork in a way of gaining control over it. Sure. But it's weird though, because at the same time, I feel like I would have been doing it anyway, <laughs> You know, because <laughs> it just was like, it just was right. cool. I just, it made me like, maybe that's happy. in there, but I mean, it, it feels like it kind of has to be mm -hmm. on some, level. you right. know, if you peel it back enough, you're going to think you're going to see parallels and whatnot. But, it seems like uh, it would have gone away maybe eventually if it was only to deal process and, yeah. you know, like, uh, trauma. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Right. But, but it, 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 it was, it was always. It was always there. I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird because no one else in my family is like this. Same. Oh, very same. <laughs> uh, my sister still lives in Laura. Oh, wow. Yeah. She, she, 
trying to think of how to put this in uh, not an asshole way. Um, Cause I don't mean it that way. She stayed on the trajectory that you would have expected if you were given an accounting of her life up until we kind of split. Right. I took, she stayed home. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah. And she's got a lovely family. She's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's very different. It's funny too, because um, I moved to LA and realized that a Southern accent does not get you very far. <laughs> Most people think you're an idiot. So in one semester I dropped it. I just oh. started fucking like this. I can be on the phone with my sister for 10 minutes and my wife can tell because suddenly I start talking like this. Yeah, right, right. The accent creeps back in. I don't even realize it. (laughs) (laughs) Was it hard to do that? Was it hard to drop the accent? Weirdly, no. You just have to pay attention to how you talk. Right. Yeah. And recognize what the, the, like, there's certain tell. I have let y'all creep back into my vernacular. (laughs) I I actually long time but now uh and i think it was my wife uh yelling at our dog y'all <laughs> just yeah i like it i'm gonna keep it <laughs> i i uh i was just watching uh what was it what was it it was it was some weird documentary about something totally unrelated to this and one of the guys they interviewed was um <clears throat> uh like uh uh where was this maybe georgia and he was like way out in the sticks country super hardcore country guy and had a really heavy accent i i i like i think the accent's cool i i i think southern accents are super cool you know i i love hearing people talk it's like there's such a there's kind of like a a rhythm to it and it's it's almost like uh i don't know i just i i like it it sounds good to my ears um my favorite is east texas uh tommy lee jones is a great example oh okay yeah yeah and uh, Ron White, that kind of laid back mm-hmm. thing. Uh, maybe Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's just sexy. <laughs> it's funny how like I'm as great as they come, but it's sexy as hell. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's funny how just different parts of d- different regions of a of a state will have. Oh yeah, different... well, it's like, it's freaking huge. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I was um, meeting with someone. I I, I remember you know. Uh, growing up and thinking that like the guys on Monty Python, that was an English accent and then getting growing up and then going to the UK and realizing that like, wow, there really is a variation of the accent oh, yeah. big time. Yeah. You know, all you have to do is listen to the Beatles talk. Right. And, and yeah, then Ringo comes in with Liverpool. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so interesting. I love it. I love By it. Barker, too. I remember, like, that was my first inkling that there's regional dialects. Right. And very different accents all over the place. So you you were a big Clive Barker fan. Huge. Yeah, me too. When did you first discover him? In college. Okay. I'll, uh, kind of, I think I picked up the Books of Blood. Right. Uh, yeah. Really just devoured them. Yeah, me too. Loved them. Uh, and then Hellraiser came out. Mm-hmm. And I immediately went and got the Hellbound Heart. Yeah. Uh, then I found out I was an artist. Um, and that just kind of, once I found out he also painted. Yeah. Uh, did me in. So, yeah, I uh, just devoured everything I could get. I, I, I got 
huge shelf of oh. art books, uh, all like wherever I could get a uh, first edition hardback, whenever he published something new, I'd make sure to go get that first nice. edition. Uh, but yeah, shelves and shelves of stuff. Uh, I have the entire first run of the Hellraiser comic. Oh, wow. Um, I have all of the copies of Cenobium magazine, which was just a fanzine for Cenobites that I did a ton of artwork for in the early nineties. Uh, yeah, just stacks of stuff. That's cool. I, uh, I first was turned on to Clyde Barker at a, at a, um, some convention and I must've been around 16 or 15. I don't know. Like you were even younger than I was. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Uh, um, it was when he hadn't, they hadn't released his stuff in, in the United States yet. Oh, and, wow. And so they had the uh, UK editions, this book mm-hmm. seller. I was looking at through some Stephen King books at, at, at some book seller. It was a s- small convention. I, I want to say that it was like comic-con back in the early days when that was really small and it was just people at tables, but maybe it was, my memory's so bad, but, uh, cause I I know I went to a comic-con. It was 40 years ago. Yeah. Let's be fair. I can't, yeah. I can't remember things from like last week, (laughs) but, uh, I remember, uh, I, at one point I did go to, I remember going to a comic-con and it was just, small it was like a small regular little cheesy comic convention anyway i was at this convention and i'm not sure where it was but this guy said oh you like stephen king huh check out you should check out this new author clive barker and it was the um the first edition uk ones and they were like they had a weird kind of like a teal or a light blue sea foam green Mm -hmm book covers with like a picture it was different than the ones they released over here and um yeah i was i just i got i think i got a couple of them or two or two or three of them and just was like oh my god this is amazing. right <laughs> never read anything like it it was like it was like kind of like it, stephen king on acid sort of it was like weirder than so stephen eloquent. king uh yeah no knock against stephen king i love stephen yeah, king too. uh one of the best things i i could i, I seen documentaries and everything else Seen interviewed a million times. One of my favorite things he ever said was he considered his writing to be the literary equivalent of a big Mac and fries. <laughs> he said, wow. And I think it's a very self-aware thing. Right. He, he understands the role that he serves in the landscape and he's, he's huge. Right. Uh, Clive Barker is, deals with so much more elevated concepts mm-hmm. um like king i'm trying to think of how to articulate this you read enough king books and you re- you, you recognize the tropes and the yeah, stories yeah, yeah. He's got, great story, yeah 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 but they're not overly complicated yeah. clive barker was dealing with like cosmic horror Right. And the concept of the Cenobites, for Christ's sake. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm just thinking through some of the novels and the, the ideas and the creatures and the entities yeah. and just mind-blowing. You yeah. really expanded my, I, my, the idea of what's possible. Yeah. 
and what an unlimited, unbounded imagination can come up with. Holy shit. And then, you know, you read Clive Barker, uh, then you got to start reading Neil Gaiman. Because uh, Gaiman, to me, is a, is writes at a, this, a similar level. Not level is not the right word. He deals with similar... He deals with different ideas in a similar way. Hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Also elevated, also very eloquent. Um, I, I, I not, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, of, I've, I've never read any Neil Gaiman, and I've got oh, so many friends that are like, "You got to read it." And oh, I actually have really? like a bunch of his comics, and I just haven't. I just like Sandman was my gateway drug. Yeah, I also have that whole first run. Uh, what's that? I also have that whole first run of uh, comics. Oh, nice. Which uh, I have a 20 year old. Uh, I have a 30 year old and a 20 year old. I let the 20 year old read a few years ago and just <laughs> blew his mind. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, yeah. I actually got to meet Neil. Uh, I've never met Clive. Oh, I've met Clive. He but had, I haven't met Neil. He had, uh, Clive had an art show in Chicago uh, years and years ago, which was, you see, reproductions of the artwork and books and whatnot. And it, I'm so sorry about the clock. That's right. Uh, it adds to the ambiance. <laughs> um, you do not get a sense of those paintings from photographs oh, because yeah. first of all, they can be 10 feet tall. Yep. They come this far off the canvas. Yeah. He put he layers that paint in so thick. I know. That it's crazy. Standing in front of it. It's an entirely different thing. And uh, I am the kind of person where if I'm going to meet one of my heroes, for lack of a better term, somebody to admire, either it needs to be an intimate setting where we can actually talk or I'm not interested. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I had that shook his hand and, you know, one of 500 people. And that was at this art show. It was great because I was able to buy an original drawing, mm. which is very proudly in the living room. Uh, and there was a meet and greet thing he was doing where you could go over to the table and get something signed and say hi. But it was like, uh, you know, Comic-Con or anything else where you go up, you get your thing, and you move on. You don't get to actually chat. Yeah. And not to do that because you don't want to be one of those. You don't want to be one of the, you know, the rabble. Yeah. <laughs> I had that experience with. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I've always been that way. The, the first celebrity that like legit celebrity that I ever met was Reggie Bannister uh, at a little <laughs> called spooky con in San Francisco. He was doing a signing at shit, borderlands in San Francisco. Mm. And uh, then he was appearing at the, the this convention and um, I watched people go over to him and fanboy and saw how he reacted to that. So I waited until there was a lull and then I just engaged him in conversation. Right. I don't remember what he didn't was, but we started talking about our dogs or our house mm -hmm. or some, some, we found common ground. Uh, two nights later, we it's 5am on the balcony of a party suite and we were, I love you man drunk together. Oh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> and every show I saw him at subsequently, he's like, you know, we'd go get dinner and play. Yeah. It was fucking great. So that's one of the reasons I actually started working horror conventions, uh, starting with horrifying weekend in the nineties 
was you can go as an attendee, wait in line for two hours, shake a hand, pay $30 for an autograph. Great. But if you're working the con, you have so much more interesting opportunities mm-hmm. to actually hang out with and chat with uh, the celebrity guests and whatnot, culminating in one of the great, <laughs> greatest parties I've ever been to, uh, Horrifying Weekend in Baltimore. Uh, pick a luminary name in the industry now, in the horror industry now. Mm. They were at that party, and it was just for uh, the celebrity guests and uh, the people working the show. So oh, Sabini, cool. Nicotero's there, uh, uh, Jeffrey Combs, uh, I go on and on and on. Right. Uh, just having a blast. I have a photo somewhere of like eight of these guys doing a spit take. <laughs> spew uh, because that was a funny thing that we started talking about and so ultimately so let's do this do so yeah uh that shit's great i had that uh experience of i was in a show um at copro gallery that was heavy metal magazine themed oh. show and it was kind of like uh sponsored i think by heavy metal magazine and grant morrison was you know, it was, it was right after he became the editor. I don't know if he's still the editor or not, but mm. um, he was there at the show and I was there in the show as an artist. And I still just didn't want to go and talk to him because everybody was swarming him. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to be another guy like going, Oh, you're amazing. You know, it's like, I'd rather just not do it and wait until there's a time I could actually meet him like a human being. Um, on the, uh, on the other hand, I've, I, got to work with Clive a little bit and um, we went to his house for a meeting for Lord of Illusions or no, it was right around Lord of Illusions. Cause we did some stuff on Lord of Illusions. Party, so. You're going to be more jealous when you hear this. And we, <laughs> and he's like me and my boss, Tony Gardner were there. And I think my wife was there too. And he's like, uh, you guys want to, uh, he was showing us around. He's like, you want to do an old Hollywood, uh, hot tub. So we went in his hot tub with him. <laughs> he turned the water on. So, so, so it was like, there was red light. So it looked like there's blood in there. <laughs> so oh, it's like, fantastic. It doesn't get better than that. And, uh, yeah. So, and I, I've also, um, I've been to his house again with, without him there. And I, oh, I'm so, so bad. I forget this guy's name. The guy was kind of like running his, show and he was showing me all of his paintings and there was hundreds hundreds of paintings stacked yeah and he was just like showing me you know it was just i couldn't believe it uh i forget what it was specifically but i've seen him in that room with unbelievable stacks of his own artwork yeah so prolific and one of my uh biggest collectors i don't know if yeah he's okay with uh chris velasco his name is he's he does he's really amazing composer and musician does vid, uh music for video games I've, uh, i swear i've heard that name yeah he, he's he's pretty big time he's 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 a, he's a big time composer in the video game industry and um he owns the one clive barker cenobite painting yeah it's like the, he only painted it or uh pinhead the, the one yeah. pinhead painting there's the, this, the sketch it's a it's a painting yeah. Oh, it's a full painting. Okay. Big ass painting. And, and there's only, I, apparently he only did it once and Chris owns it. And, and it's got that paint. That's, that's awesome. like this thick off the canvas. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's so cool. But he, I, I love the, the illustrations he did for the Books of Blood. Uh, oh, yeah. He, those were so cool. That, that's like, uh, I, I mean, I love, I, all of his art's great, and I love that thick impressionistic stuff but but i really like his illustration work especially the, the you know the books of blood covers um there was there was like an edition where they were his his illustrations right i believe so remember the one well, it's it's got like a, people from the stories it's got like a guy with it i think a cleaver in his head he's kind of smiling and it's got marilyn yeah. monroe that's like a zombie yeah. and yes so cool i remember that so i also love what he did with abra which I don't know if I oh, ever yeah. actually got the third. I think I got the third book, and I still need to read it. Yeah, exactly. Reading, <laughs> and I hate myself for it. I gotta, I gotta get back. In. Yeah, I, I, lo I love, <clears throat> love reading. It was like one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid, up into early adulthood. And I just, I don't have time for it, so I have to do audiobooks now. <laughs> exactly. And I don't know. It's not. It's and not the same. The, I love reading more, way more than audiobooks. We say we don't have time for it. It's that uh, I honestly feel like we don't make time for it. I know. You know I mean? Yeah, I suppose. I but suppose. Then it, we didn't have responsibilities that we had then. So, yeah. 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 Like the only thing keeping me from reading is me. Is <laughs> the thing is, the, the thing is, though, I'll pick up a book. I've done this before where it's like you pick up a book and it's really a good one and then you just read it from beginning to end like i'll be like okay today i gotta get this done and this done like all business yeah. that works oh up. yeah and i'm like okay i'm gonna read for half an hour first i got this new book <laughs> and, and and it just Good. you can't help it and you just go all like you know nine hours of reading <laughs> it's just like <laughs> man my whole day's screwed up and the thing is i'm gonna i'm giving myself a break because it's like it's such a tight schedule and I'm always behind and it's like, man, you, you blow one day, it screws everything up and I'm already screwed up from the, the domino. Yeah. The first it's, it's already, it's already impossible. <laughs> and then you, then you blow a day for some reason. It's just like conversation I've had all week. <laughs> what? Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't, uh, I don't do anything else but work, but you know, it's like, we, we do what we love. So it's, it's all good, but man, it's a grind. Yeah. It's, it's a grind. I've got, I mean, I, I still buy books. I know uh, I still buy them. I just don't read it's, them. It's right. It, uh, it's gotta be specific. Like anything Neil Gaiman publishes, I will buy anything. Clive Barker publishes. I will buy There's uh, uh, David Scow, a couple other people. David um, Scow. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah, we're uh, oddly enough met him at that same convention that I met Reggie, and we just clicked. What right was away. he? What was he? He was David Chow. He's a he's very prolific from writer. Fangoria, right? They used to talk about Fangoria, him in Fangoria a lot. Got great books, great original fiction. He's done a lot of screenplays. Mm -hmm. um, he has a co-writing credit, like on The Crow. Uh, also, a, a great blink and you miss it cameo in the big uh, dinner shootout scene. I don't know if you remember the guy that gets zipped under the table. Oh, man, it's been too like, long. Falls over backwards and then whoop, uh -huh. that's David. <laughs> <laughs> was he one uh, of those the splatter punk guys? Yeah. Okay. Was, he was one of him. Uh, it was Chip, him, John Skip? Skip. Skip, yeah, right. And, uh, uh, oh, I remember reading about those guys in Fango back in the day, yeah. and I never read anything of, about their stuff, but I did read about them. 
David's one of those guys too. Uh, he is very much uh, uh, bon vivant um, and just like if you you could pick somebody to just hang out with for an evening and just listen to their stories. He has got just tremendous really? story. Just a joy to talk to. Yeah, he's really fun to hang out with. Uh, cool. That's awesome. We got sidetracked on that. Oh, yeah. books. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll buy them. And uh, with the idea that uh, I'm eventually going to read them. Yeah. Um, now that I'm 54 and realize that there's less, probably less time in front of me than there is behind me. I need to get going on these someday. <laughs> things I know. That I'm talking about that I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy getting to this age where you're just like, man, I could be dead in 10 years or I could be dead in 30 years. You know, it's like. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, too, as you watch celebrity deaths. I know. They're just within a few years of you, if not younger. Younger, I know. That's that's, that shit's disturbing. I know. And it happens Um, a lot. The dude that just died at 60. uh, I mean, I'm going to forget his name. He was on The Wire. Mm -hmm. Fringe and anyway, yeah, that and that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, that he's dead. I what? know, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> and then all of the icons from our own youth. Yep. Like, uh, like there's certain uh, uh, actors and writers and whatnot that it's got to be their time soon, and just like waiting for it, like God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't want to. I want to get energy to it, but right. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, so what's a good, what's a good Neil Gaiman book to get as an audio book for a first read for me? I am not looking up in contemplation. I'm looking up at the row of Neil Gaiman books on the shelf. <laughs> and it, I've never read any of his stuff. I haven't watched. <gasps> I haven't watched Sandman because I don't want to watch it before I read the comic. Who knows when that's right. going to be? So I really know <laughs> nothing of his writing other than all of my friends and people I think are cool think he's great. So I, I want your recommendation from a real fan. I'm going to write it. Hang down. on. I'm going to get up and look. <laughs> One second. Okay, I'm I'm I got a a pen out. I've got a paper towel that I'm going to write it on, and I'm going to I'm going to uh, get it as an audio book because I do enjoy listening to audio books while I while I paint. So okay, we're just waiting on this recommendation. I here. Know, I'm looking. <laughs> um, I would say. Drum roll, please. I need to put a drum roll in. Oh, here we go. Hang okay. on. Man, you got a cool house. Because it's a collection of short stories, so get hooked into... Oh, okay. That way you're not... Com- the same way that Books of Blood was a gateway drug. That's there you go. Smoke and Mirrors. Smoke okay. and Mirrors. That's how I got into Philip K. Dick also was... Uh, nice. Was uh, short stories. Okay. That's, what, that's, my first, that's my first purchase I'm going to do. Also, um, oh shit, no, that's a Clyde Barker book. <laughs> <laughs> Which one were you going to say? <laughs> uh, my brain's doing this to me lately where I can see the book and I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, right. It wasn't a children's book, but it was about it. it 
was almost a children. <laughs> Thief of Always? The Clive Barker? Yes, thank yeah. you. Jesus yeah. Christ. What yeah. I'm thinking of, though, is uh, the Graveyard Book, which Neil Gaiman wrote, which is, and the, <laughs> because, uh, as I mentioned, I was raised somewhat sheltered. Uh-huh. Um, it can take me a minute to connect the dots on things. I got all the way through the Graveyard Book before I realized that he had taken the Jungle Book and recast it with ghosts and ghouls oh, and cool. the night. I love that. It's a very different story and it's a very different experience, but it's really good. Cool. And one of his more recent ones, uh, I think it's the ocean at the end of this. I'm going to look. <laughs> I want to get it right. Okay. All right. The ocean at the end of the lane. End of what? The ocean at the end of the lane. Okay. Um, so short read but it's really good really interesting story and uh that one granted it's been a while since i've read any of these but that one as i recall felt uh very close to a more clive barker type of (laughs) (laughs) Uh, ocean at the end of the lane was in the the way it presented reality and our perception of it and all the ways we're getting that one felt very Clive Barker to me. Cool. In the most complimentary way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I'm going to let you know what I think. Um, Please do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, uh, so you don't do audiobooks probably because I, I, you were mentioning Did, um, for a minute and then uh, I got tired of falling asleep listening to <laughs> that. Actually, that I do. Like falling, I, I I list. That's one way I listen to. I listen to audiobooks when I walk my dog, and when I uh, go to sleep at night sometimes. And it's and it screws you up because you fall asleep at a certain point. But it is nice you to like what? Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're being read to and falling asleep. Yeah, <laughs> I did enjoy that aspect of it, but I got tired of trying scrolling. Through yeah, I did. Where I was in the story. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, every night. Wait. Uh, because you wake up and realize it's still going, so you turn it off, but you have no idea if it was five minutes or you know, right, two hours. Right, right. So do you do you have um I don't know, do you have any things you haven't accomplished yet, like big big projects that you want to do still in the future that you because you've accomplished a lot, but uh you I've know. always wanted to do a tarot deck. Oh yeah, me too. Just just seems like it would be really fun to interpret and they symbolism symbology images that mean other things that's always been fascinating to mm-hmm. me um so yeah taking a run at interpreting that would the that iconic imagery i think would be and i've, I've done individual one-off things mm-hmm. based on individual cards but never done a whole deck. yeah i've done the devil card for a for a tarot deck called uh, the lowbrow tarot and, nice. Uh, that was cool. But yeah, I, I, I've actually gotten into tarot recently, or I've always kind of been interested, but I took a class that really was eye-opening as far as how to read and, and how, how it kind of works. And uh, My wife is very adept at it. Oh, like, really? Fairly so, uh, to the extent that I don't ask her to read for me. <laughs> you don't want to know? <laughs> I don't think either of us does. <laughs> it's a... Uh, seen her do readings for friends and whatnot and man it's, it's impressive 
it's having a divination system of some sort. Uh, I was like an I Ching guy for, for most of my life being a young man, which is another, the Chinese divination system. Um, and I, I'm doing tarot now because it's, I, I never quite understood it. <clears throat> so I wanted to learn it, but it is nice. The way I look at it, it's like, it's nice to, if you have a decision that you can't make, like you can't decide on what the right thing is. It all it helps to have a divination system to go like, okay, it's like asking someone that you trust. Yeah, it's it gives you a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the way it works, it's like you're um it's 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 you know, some the the it's like you put the meaning into it. It's like it it, it works right. like it bypasses your conscious mind kind of. Exactly. I mean I mean I'm all you're in I'm I'm into the woo woo shit. I'm into all that magic and all that stuff. I really am. But it's like it, it, it um, it's like it. The symbols bypass your conscious mind, and it's like exactly. that's the idea. Yeah, you respond intuitively, so it's like you're you know the thing that you are asking about. You just exactly. can't. You, you can't access it. Yeah, so it's like when you you just got to give yourself permission to right, run right, and it but really works. People, uh, I think. Uh, popular culture equates tarot cards to like Ouija boards with this idea that uh, the cards are guided by the spirits. Right, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's been reinforced by, uh, you know, shysters and movies. But right. from my understanding of it, it's, it's nothing to do with anything spiritual. It's about the perceptive abilities of the person doing the reading. How mm. well can they read people? How well can they read your reaction to things? Um, and so forth and so on. And apparently doing a reading for yourself is a... I'm going to ask you. <laughs> you. You're not supposed to do it. Hush. You're not supposed to do a tarot reading for yourself, right? Is that a problem? No. Hush. <laughs> You're not supposed to do a tarot reading for yourself. Is that a thing? It's a bad idea? You can, but it's difficult to be objective. There you go. She said you can, but it's very difficult to be objective. Right. Yeah, Which for sure. It's always, goes, yeah, it's just exactly. like giving someone else. It's like uh, in the same way of um, giving someone else uh, a critique of their art. It's easier to do it on someone else's art than your own. Oh, yeah. You know, or or giving someone advice, it's easier to advise someone. I think, but but um, I mean, the teacher, the guy I learned from was like a big time tarot reader. He's he's, you know, I don't think it's uh, he's all about doing readings for yourself. But um, well, I I I I, meant I had it wrong. It's not so much it's a bad idea. It's, it's that you have to be aware. Yeah, of yeah. Your own, your own objectivity. Right, right, right. Definitely, definitely. Which yeah. could be, I, for some folks, could be really difficult. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Definitely. It, it's definitely true. Uh, it's just like certain readings, though, you do them and you're like, oh, you know, it makes complete sense. The end of it, it's like, how did I not figure yeah, this out? Yeah, exactly. How did I? And then you, oh, afterwards, I you're like, like right then, yeah. it's like, how did I? Why did I not, I not see that before? <laughs> you know, I had to go through this whole dumb process to see this so right. obvious. Um, That's the thing, though. You know, you don't see it until you see it. Right, right. Yeah, the the human mind's a bitch. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So yeah, tarot deck that would be awesome. You know, the other thing I wanted to ask you too is, um, 
what is your preferred method of creating art? You know, like just for what your favorite way to create, I know you probably do all kinds of different ways based on um, what you get hired to do and what's practical. But I mean, as far as like, you really love the most satisfying is watercolor. Oh, watercolor. Uh, okay. That's yeah, watercolor. With, I've always had such a hard time with watercolor. It's so difficult to me. Acrylic, uh, dry too fast for me. Mm -hmm. Oil didn't dry fast enough. <laughs> um, watercolor. And I've been told over and over that I use the way I paint with watercolor is practically like acrylic. Yeah, I didn't even realize those paintings I saw of yours were yeah. watercolor. Yeah, anything uh, from a few years ago or older is going to be, if it's color, it's most likely going to be watercolor. Interesting. But it's um, the, there's an unpredictable aspect. It's kind of, I mean, having watched some of your uh, uh, time lapses, um, you actually do a very similar thing where you do these washes and you just let them run down mm -hmm. and just organics of the pigment and uh the the liquids and whatnot kind of do what they're gonna do right. and then you just realize that i same thing um with the pigment the way it reacts to uh the amount of water you put in it and the, the ability to pull it back up and so forth right really lets you play mm -hmm. procreate's great um but you pretty much know the result you're gonna get going into it no matter what because it's a little more arbitrary mm -hmm. um but yeah water and I, I need to put paint to paper soon because it's been too long and i miss it yeah right <laughs> like, like i keep saying i need to read more um but that one i feel like i actually am going to do sooner rather than later just because i miss it yeah 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 it's uh, uh I, i'm that way right now with um sculpting i'm like i got these if I don't, I haven't, I sculpt, I paint more than I sculpt. Sculpting is kind mm -hmm. of like a side thing at this point, even though that was my, most of my career in effects was sculpting. Um, but yeah, I miss it. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Well, it's also a question of convenience. I'm literally talking to you right now on the same device that I do. I use Procreate. Yeah. So I can take this anywhere. I can go to a coffee shop. I know. I, That's what's um, so cool. Do you have the, the biggest yep, screen? Uh, it's, uh, it's like a half inches. I actually, I think I'm going to have to upgrade soon to something a little bigger, but, um, yeah, if I want to paint, I have to have a whole setup. Whereas right. this, I put an easy chair. I know. I so know. That's, that's the other aspect of it is, uh, to, and I would imagine sculpting similar thing where you have to spread out more. Yeah. But, I mean, you oil. So yeah, you have to maintain such, I mean, I'm seeing everything behind you there, the yeah. brushes and all, all the palette uh, it's a stuff. such a commitment but man is it it's beautiful the results it yields oh thanks yeah i enjoy it it's it's still fun after all this time um oh yeah still really have fun with it um but i got you know i got a sculpture here i'm working on Your paintings, more than anything else, your characters that you do, I immediately hear their voice in my head. <laughs> That's cool. What does his voice sound that, like? That guy, um, kind of a, a guttural giggling sound. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. And the heart shape, uh, the heart cyclops right. guy. 
It's more my. <laughs> he's definitely. But yeah, every. Go ahead. No, he's definitely he because he's in. I I did a book. Uh, I think yeah, last year is when it came out called Dystopia, where it's like my. I went. I mythologized all of the characters and, yeah. and, and yeah. you know turned it into a world building thing and um and i think he's in there and he speaks in reverse and he's just constantly gibbering everything is in reverse and he's just constantly kind of like <laughs> <laughs> so it is similar but what about this guy what does he sound like irritated <laughs> he does look kind of irritated. Now I, I feel like I'm it. being disapproved of right now. <laughs> yeah, he's, oh. like, he's like, oh, yeah. What do I sound? Guy. What do I sound like? Okay. He's so smart. What? No, he's like going. <laughs> what do I sound like? Smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you judge me? <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, tarot. Okay, so we were on a tarot deck, and oh, your favorite uh, 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 technique. I was, what else was I going to ask you? We are getting near the end, but I just want to make sure I get everything in here. Um, uh, oh, I, I know what I wanted to ask you. How you were sheltered as a kid, so how were you able to watch horror movies? Um, or were you able to watch them? Few and far between. Which um, which ones too? Which were the big ones for you as a as a as a young kid? They're really so. It was in the days of until I was uh, almost out of the house. It was there were three channels. Yep, um, I remember those days. Yeah, so is <laughs> one of the ways I started resenting the church. Uh, is we were there every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. All of the cool shows were on Sunday night. Battlestar Galactica was on Sunday night. Mm -hmm. uh, Kick-ass made-for-TV movies like Trilogy of Terror. Yeah. So, so I missed all of it. I, rem I remember as a kid uh, the season of Battlestar Galactica where they actually got to Earth, and I didn't get to see any of it. I was so mad. <laughs> uh, so resentful. But... Yeah. Um, and if you missed it back then, you missed it. There was no, oh, yeah. you know, you maybe caught it on a rerun if you're you lucky. You want to see Sleepy uh, or, or like uh, every Halloween they would play. Disney would run uh, Sleepy Hollow, mm -hmm. um, the, the animated and uh, or excuse me, the Adventures of Ichabod, um, which huge formative thing to me as a mm -hmm. child as was the Chernabog clip from Fantasia, which they would also do. Yep. But again, you weren't home at the right time on the right date. Out of luck. But yeah, movies wise, uh, mostly classics that would run on UH UHF channels. So like Day of the Triffids and all the classic uh, Universal stuff and lots of terrible Roger Corman movies, which I love all of them as a result. Mm -hmm. Um Trying to, was it Attack of the Crab Monsters? Does that sound familiar? Mm. Terrible. Just <laughs> terrible. But I, as a kid, I just thought it was the greatest thing. Oh, that's some of that, that stuff. I love watching that stuff now. It's like. But that's the thing is, uh, so I really didn't get to see much. Wow, a few things are flooding back now. So I didn't get to see 
much until uh, I graduated high school, got out in the world. I remember sitting and watching uh, Day of the Dead for the very first time when I was 17, and it just ruined me. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the most nihilistic things. I, I'd never been exposed to something like wow. that. <laughs> and I remember a week later on uh, uh, my senior trip, I uh, went with a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, and uh, one of their dads to Gulf Shores, Alabama. Uh, and just walking along the beach with uh, my buddy Will and talking about that movie and how fucked up it was. And then we started talking because we're out there alone in the middle of the night. And I said, how fucking scary would it be if we crested this hill? And there were like a bunch of zombies standing there and we freaked each other out talking. <laughs> the extent I did not to crest the hill. We just turned around. Went back the way we <laughs> I remember the first time I tried to watch Evil Dead. Uh, uh, fraternity was sponsoring it in the dorm where I was going to college first semester, second semester, excuse me. Um, and it got to the pencil in the ankle scene and I was out. I, I was too scared. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, a year later, reanimator, uh, the bone saw through the chest. No, too scary. <laughs> <laughs> and I read like somewhere after that, I think I was uh, 18, 19 years old. I realized that I love this stuff. I got to toughen up. So I set out on a ruthless video rental mission to desensitize myself. Uh, so I just rented everything. Uh, and then Hellraiser came out, kind of sealed the deal for me. Right. Um, Alien had got me there a, a, a long way towards it. I, I was obsessed with Alien which came out in 79. So I would have been 11. I don't know what it was. But I think it was the marketing campaign that hooked me mm -hmm. in. Yeah. I, I got the novel. Uh, I didn't see the movie till years later. Cause you know, um, but yeah, that was one of the first ones that really kind of sealed the deal for me. And I didn't see it for wow. years. Just uh, the ad campaign was so strong. The art book that came out with it. Um, not only Giger stuff, but like the production design and, and whatever else, which mm. I still. Um, yeah, I think I have mine too. Yeah. And it's times where I look at my library and realize I got some really cool shit. Yeah. If I bought when I was a teenager, I was, <laughs> the one I remember, the one that got away, which I could probably buy now if I wanted to. You remember the Rankin Bass animated Hobbit? Yeah. Like half hour long. Mm -hmm. They put out an art book, uh, which I loved that the the show uh or again you can't even call it a movie special right. tv special um but i was fascinated by the artwork and they put out a book of uh an art book of just like the character sketches and development and whatnot mm, that's cool and i found it at a bookstore begged the parents to get it for me and i don't remember what the specific i think it was probably pretty expensive mm -hmm. but they didn't get it and then i never saw it again and uh that killed me that was uh, as a kid man i was like ah. <laughs> wanted it so much smog was the coolest dragon i had ever seen that that was my uh my experience with the the dawn of the dead board game that came out in, uh probably in the early 80s <clears throat> that there was a there or not board game a, a um role playing game. game no oh. it was like a role playing game like D D. Yeah, but it was Dawn of the Dead, 
in the mall. It took place in the mall. And I wanted that thing so bad, but it was so expensive. I could never afford it. By the time I was making enough money, I could buy it. It was gone. And now you can get right. it on eBay for, but it's really expensive. Right. Uh, but what about, uh, did you ever catch Night of Living Dead on, on TV? Because they used to play that a lot in a syndication. I honestly don't remember. Because that's a really first- scary, that's super scary. Oh, yeah. I think, I, I think, Day of the Dead was my first Romero movie. Oh, wow. On the recommendation of the friend that I went to the beach with. Um, <laughs> we rented it. And I didn't know. I don't think I knew anything about Romero oh, at that okay. time. I'm, you know, 17, 18 years old. Uh, I educated myself real quick subsequently. But, um, yeah, that one just. It's, it's hard to put into words how much that movie rattled my cage <laughs> just it was such a bleak just conceptually so bleak it is and the zombies were the least of the problem right uh and that that i didn't i wasn't able to articulate around my head around uh that was romero's things is the zombies are not the issue yeah yeah it's, exactly and any good zombie property that's going to be the case um but yeah just that people uh, in these horrible circumstances would just be the worst. And in the, in, yeah. And in, it's, it's a very claustrophobic setting. It's oh like, God. Yeah. Know. Just about it. And then, <laughs> little realizing that 15 years later, I would get to hang out with half that cast at that party. I was talking about. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lovely to a one, all of them really sweet, really funny people. That's so cool. Um, uh, I was going to, uh, yeah, it's funny that you, you, you didn't have that desensitizing experience that a lot of us had. Oh yeah. Cause I was the first time I saw a movie that shocked me and I'm going to, I'm going to look this up. The first time I saw a movie where it like messed me up was, um, death race 2000. (laughs) I totally see why. Because it was like, it was the first time I was seeing people. You know, it was so. If you think about, it, it's like a campy, goofy movie, right? And kind of cool, funny, fucking horrific. Though. Yeah, yeah. But when you think about, it, it's like I was, I think, nine years old, and I'd never seen an R-rated movie, um, and it was, it was like people being run over on purpose for points. Nineteen seventy-five, yeah, for points. Nineteen seventy-five. Yep. So yeah, I was nine years old. Six, seven, six, eight, six, nine. It's there was something eight so years old, eight or nine. In the way they made that movie, the the way the characters treated it was so cavalier. Yeah, yeah. That just and it's great as an adult. Yeah, totally great. Such uh, there's so much societal commentary and everything else, whether they intended it or not. Yeah, yeah, it's totally but great. Yeah, it, when you take everything at face value and you see like all of the adults are acting this way, what the fuck? What's going on? Yeah, right. Yeah, and I remember, I remember Professor Stallone's character in particular was just horrible. Yeah, they were all kind of assholes. As a person, they were all—all all of the characters were kind of assholes in that. I think yeah. even that, even Frankenstein, the John Car- yeah. Car- uh yeah. or David Carradine. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember the the scene where they where he chases the guy in the creek. The guy was fishing, and he burns out on his. He like does he basically runs him over, stops and does a burnout like on his leg <laughs> and bloods and waters. That just was like I remember getting this like 
bad was it, feeling. Was it one of the, the one of these? No, I watched, but it was like <laughs> I just got like this terrible feeling inside. <laughs> like this bad feeling, like, uh it just made I me mean, arguably that is the correct response. Right. <laughs> brutally murdered. And you should feel some kind of way about it. But as as you become you do you be you, you know after that you, you're watching all these other horror movies and um and in the era of uh, uh renting videos and stuff you get to see all the the really violent and they the other the other one was the night of living dead also was a big one i saw when i was way too young that really freaked me out but i but yeah. i was really i loved it um, oh yeah i watched it every year because it would come on every year around halloween um and then the exorcist i remember seeing uh that one I had a kind of an alien experience, like you're you're saying, is where I, yeah. I when it first came out, they could they wouldn't show they wouldn't allow photos at the very beginning, and they had someone uh, uh, someone an artist go in and do artist renderings from the movie to put in Fangoria, I think, mm. or Famous Monsters. It was in Famous Monsters, so they had drawings of scenes. Oh, of Reagan as a demon and and right. just seeing the commercials and seeing those pictures. I used to be like lay in bed at night, not having seen the movie, just like totally terrified, just not being able to go to sleep and being all like this terrible feeling laying there. Oh my God. Two things I want to say that have come up. Uh, <laughs> Mark, as you said, uh, I remember seeing, and I don't think I was supposed to, they were showing the shining on TV Mm-hmm. And this was just a few years. I said, so it must have been mid. I was still a kid. The bathroom scene mm-hmm. where I am, they, I don't remember how they edited it for TV, if they blurred things out or get a close up of her face or whatever. But I, I remember that specifically. It fucked me up. With the old lady coming out of the back. Yeah. 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 The old lady. Uh, so but also, a thing I've realized, and I figured this out a little while ago, but. When it comes to horror, I realize that I am not drawn towards stories that could actually happen. If the movie right. is a, somebody being tortured in a realistic way, in a realistic environment for realistic reasons, the plot better be crackerjack. Yeah, yeah, same, same here. I need a little, I need some aspect of it to be fantastical i need some reason that this could not actually happen because then otherwise if this is all completely realistic what am i enjoying right right it's what just, am i considering it's am like I considering this? it's know? like that movie henry portrait of a serial killer yeah it's yeah. like i never i don't even think i ever watched that because i knew what it was it's worth watching once as an exercise in powerful filmmaking mm-hmm. uh but like human centipede don't ever need to see it again yeah yeah the, the the road was also like this like that movie the road I still haven't seen that one so you have to watch it and i gotta be in the right you mindset order it's gonna destroy me it's so. so good it's so good and so but it's so realistic it's it's such a realistic representation of what it would actually be like if, if civilization right. collapsed that it was like it's it like freaked me out like i, right. I it was weird because i bought i immediately bought bought it on Amazon, and then I bought right. a Blu-ray, and I was because it was so I was so impressed, but I was so it's rattled. Sure I have I have, and I've never watched I've never watched it again since. <laughs> but it's like I want to, but I just can't There's get myself to do it. I have a friend over though who has not seen it. You're right. Gonna, oh, come on, I gotta go watch this. It's it's so on good. the 
that's not streaming. So yeah, yeah, it's grim. It's grim, but so good and so realistic. But uh, oh, what was the other one? There was one more I was gonna say. Uh, oh, the commercials for um, um, Beyond the Door. Remember that one? Did you ever see that? It's like an Italian Exorcist ripoff. Yes, with uh, Nanny and the Professor. Uh, Gotta say, uh, Shutter has been uh, and Amazon Prime actually have been a great yeah. resource for uh, lost, forgotten, and classic horror movies, yeah. and a lot of stuff I saw at the time because the way I was raised. So I have been uh, really enjoying diving into forty-year-old movies oh, yeah. that build that shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I found two different ones called Frightmare. And I love both of them. I don't. Oh, is I know. I think I know that. Have you? One is a magician that dies, and a bunch of kids go and desecrate his grave, and he fucks them up that from beyond. Like and it's that. always the question of: Did he set this up in advance, or is it really supernatural? And then another one, uh, same title. It's got an alternate title. I'm gonna forget what it was. Completely different story. But it also involved uh, kids getting trapped in a mausoleum, weirdly. Mm. <laughs> uh, both fantastic, made in the 70s, early 80s. Cool. I'm, I'm going to watch, I'm going to definitely check those out. Um, oh, man, I was going to say something else, but it's, I got to let you go. It's getting really late. Yeah, I, I just got a message that uh, the dog I was supposed to walk an hour and 45 I'm sorry. Minutes. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. This is. <laughs> I could do this all night. That's I know. Crazy. There's a black. I love geeking out with uh, people that are into this stuff. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, oh, my pleasure. And at any time, man. Yeah. Uh, so sinistervisions.com. Is that the best website? Yep. If you want the full scope, sb23.com links out to all of the sites uh, related to yours truly, uh, sinistervisions.com is uh, the design company specific. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll put three fonts. I got like 30 fonts out there. Oh, excellent. Uh, made soundscapes, um, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, sv23.com. Wow, perfect timing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll put it in the body of the sure. description, also all your links. And um, that's it. So just don't hang up. I'll say goodbye to you after I stop the recording quickly. Okay. And then last thing you got to do is just say goodbye to the audience. Cause that's what we do. At the goodbye end. to the audience. You've been lovely. I hope we've entertained you. Goodbye audience.